Welcome! My name is Naomi and I am the host of the Our World Story podcast. Our World Story is a place where travel enthusiasts share their memories and advice and the hopes that our listeners will experience the world through their travel adventures. Today I have my guest Marilene and in part one we talk about what sparked her interest in traveling, how she got the idea of working abroad, and what the process looked like for applying to work in Abu Dhabi and accepting a pair a position as principal. Make sure you come back for part two where we talk about Marilyn's experience actually living in Abu Dhabi for the past six years and all the travel tips she has learned along the way. So let's get started. Hi Marilyn, how are you? I am doing well Naomi. Um, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to be here and to talk about travel and how important it is to me and how I hope that it'll be just as important to everyone else out there. Great. That sounds good. Thank you so much for being here today. We will just jump straight into our backstory segment and talk about where you're currently living right now and what do you do? Well, I am originally from Michigan, but I live in Abu Dhabi. I've been living here for the last six years. I am a deputy principal at a private school. And um, that's pretty much what I do, just work and travel. <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting that you were uh, able to be uh, a deputy principal in um, Abu Dhabi. Did you, uh, were you working in the education system here in the U.S. before you transferred? I sure was. So I, I was a teacher in Houston uh, where I relocated after university and um, then became a principal at an elementary school down in Houston. And I had the opportunity, I had a couple of my teachers leave Houston to come to Abu Dhabi um, to be teachers. And I was asking them, where are you going? How is this possible? And they gave me some information. They were saying that the country here was doing a big educational reform. They were trying to pull a lot of Western administrators and Western teachers to come and uh, work with um, the children here to establish their English and also to establish their schools to make them more Western. And so I looked into it and actually used a recruiting agency called Teach Away. And um, there's so many teaching re recruiting um, services, but I used Teach Away and I was offered a position here to be a deputy principal. And here I am six years later. Um, I worked four years in the government schools and then now I'm two years into my uh, private school um, experience. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So I just want to backtrack a little bit and just ask how you got started with traveling anyways, because I think uh, especially uh, wanting to move abroad and work abroad, you must have had some travel experience in, in the background before. So could you just tell us a little bit about where you got started with traveling and some of the places that you've been? Sure. Um, well, when I was young, my family did a lot of road tripping. So that was a big thing. And then we kind of graduated to um, flying because my sisters uh, began working for an airline in the United States. Um, they started working for United. So we had all of these wonderful benefits yes. um, <laughs> to be able to fly for all free or very close to free. Yes. yes. <laughs> so we started traveling a lot once that happened. I mean, we did some international travel. Our first trip as a family was to Paris, which is my spirit city. I love Paris. I've been there so many times. I love Paris. Mm -hmm. um, 
And when I was there, I kind of got bit by that bug. I was a young teacher and I was like, I could teach over here. Like it, it, when I was in my 20s, I had that, that thought. But I was still young and I was a little bit afraid of stepping out there. Um, I think I needed to just mature a little bit. So I didn't act on it, but it was always in the back of my mind. Um, so as a family, we did a lot of traveling around the States and then a little bit in Europe. But then, um, and that kind of gave me the, the traveling bug. We went to the Caribbean a lot. We've, we've been to Germany, Amsterdam, Italy, um, France. Those were the places we went as a family, London as a family. So that kind of put the travel bug in me early. Um, and so once I moved here, that was all I thought about was how can I get, how can I see the world? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool that you were able to go so many places as a, as a young child and yeah. explore uh, in Europe and in other parts of the world. So for the main story part of the podcast, I just want to go into uh, your experience abroad and how you started working. How did you take the steps to get to where you are now? Gotcha. So um, here in the UAE, they um, have so many expats, so many people from so many parts of the world that they asked to come over, not just in education, but in any industry you can think of, the UAE pulls, especially from Western countries, the United States, the UK, Australia, there's a lot of um, Australian uh, people here, but it is a little bit of a process. So kind of backtracking a little bit, um, as I said, I was an administrator in Houston, and um, you have to make sure that whatever it is that you want to come and move abroad to do, you have all of your credentials because what they'll ask you for is not only your degrees and proof of those things, but um, you know, they'll, they'll ask for tons of, of recommendations, not just the usual two we may ask for from um, someone when we're just getting a job stateside. I mean, you have to submit, I think I had to submit five or six recommendations from people. I had to get a criminal, uh, FBI um, criminal background check, not just a, a regular one um, at the mm -hmm. state level. Mm -hmm. Every document had to be authenticated. So I had to send all of my records, um, my, my employment records, everything to the U.S. government. Then they had to authenticate it and put their, their stamps and all that on it in order for the U UAE government to accept that I am who I say I am, that I've done everything I said I've done, mm -hmm. but the, the government has to clear you um, before you can, you can move abroad. Um, if you have the idea that you want to move abroad, really, it is not as difficult as people might think. Um, whatever your industry is, you can literally go online and you can type in teaching abroad or um, if you're in, I, I don't know, if you're you're an engineer, you can, you can type in uh, engineering opportunities abroad. Like you can literally just type in what you're thinking about. And then most countries will um, use recruiters. So it's not like in the States where you can find your own, um, you can like look up, go to a site and look up all of the jobs there. Mm -hmm. You have to express interest. A recruiter will um, then list all of the jobs that you could possibly um, qualify for. And then the recruiter is the middleman. You don't talk directly to anyone. You interview with the recruiters. It's, it's a totally different process than mm -hmm. um, back in the States. And so for me, that was my process. I, I 
applied through TeachAway. They offered me an, an opportunity to come to fly to Chicago for an interview. Some representatives from the recruiting agency and from um, the agency that would be hiring me through the government here um, were there. They interviewed me. I had to do a presentation. And then a few weeks later, they offered me the position. And it was just, <laughs> but, it, it's, it, but it really is not that if, if you have all of your credentials and you know where you want to go, and you, mm -hmm. if you type in into the, com into, um, the computer what, where you might want to go, there's so many opportunities that will pop up, but really a lot in education all around the world. I really encourage, this has been the best experience of my life. I really encourage people to step out of their comfort zones and, um, and see what else is out there because you grow so much, not just in your profession, but um, just as a person when you are away, you know, um, from, from things that you're kind of stretching yourself. So you're away from your family and, and all those things that are comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So there are a few things that, you know, popped up in my mind that I wanted to ask you based off of what you just said. So the first would be uh, the, pro the whole, from start to finish, the whole process. Mm -hmm. It seems as though it was a few months. I know you said you got, you waited and heard back uh, after you sent in everything for a, a few weeks later, but mm -hmm. how long did the whole process take from start to finish? That is a good question. I, I applied, I believe, in December of 2013. And um, I was invited to come to, I had to get all of my materials together. I got all of those things submitted. And they invited me to come to Chicago for the interview at the end of February. So it was only a couple of months. Um, I think the longest process was waiting for the US government to send me back my criminal background check and, and the authentication of all of my documents. Um, once they sent all of those things back to me and I was able to, to um, send them to the recruiter, then it seemed like the process quickened a little bit because I guess they mm -hmm. said she really is, you know She's what? committed. <laughs> She's ready. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it was, it was pretty quick. The end of February, I flew to Chicago and, um, and then it seemed like literally maybe the beginning of April was when they offered me the position um, and I accepted and, then they sent me um, information like where I'd be staying, all of that. Um, gosh, I want to say maybe in, in June because they wanted me to be here for August for the start okay. of the school year. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty quick, it felt like it went pretty quickly after that, um, after I got all of my materials in, it just seemed like the interview went and then all of a sudden everything moved. Yeah. So that I, so I submitted my, um, my documents or I applied in December and by August 1st was when I landed here of the next year, 2014, was mm -hmm. when I landed here in the UAE. So okay. it, was, it was a pretty quick process, pretty I, quick I feel like. yeah. yeah, no, that's really fast. Yeah. Under a year, that's a lot yeah. to kind of take in and uh, that's, it's, that seems really fast actually. <laughs> it, but, does. Um, it does, <laughs> Were So were they, how did they, do housing did you have a say in where you wanted to live um and another question have you been to abu dhabi before you actually went there full-time to teach what was and what was that experience like oh gosh good questions so they told us from the beginning you have three places that we can place you based upon the need of um, the schools 
So I didn't know if I would be living in Abu Dhabi city, if I would be living in a smaller city named Alain, or if I'd be living in the West, which is like very rural, very far out, like in the middle of nowhere. So it was very scary because, you know, everybody wanted to live in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi's a, you know, city. You live in the city. <laughs> <laughs> but we all were there. So when we landed and we started going to our um, orientation meetings, they hadn't told us yet where we would be placed. They had us staying in a hotel. Really? Wow. Yeah. And um, I was with a group of administrators. None of us knew where we were going to be placed as far as the city. They had us in a, um, while we were going through orientation, they had us in a hotel. It was very, they took care of everything. It was very nice. Like, you know, you don't have any worries. Um, and then they started to pass out letters, maybe the second week, um, telling us where we would be, would be. For me, they didn't tell me for a month. So I was in a hotel for a month because they were still trying to decide where they wanted me to go. And so I was just praying on Abu Dhabi city, but I ended up being placed in Alain, which is like a smaller city, um, maybe an hour outside of Abu Dhabi city, still in Abu Dhabi, the Emirate, but in a, um, there's Abu Dhabi city, kind of like New York city. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, so there's Abu Dhabi city in Abu Dhabi, but Yes, yeah, so I was in a smaller setting and, I, and at first I did not, I was very upset about that, but then, because um, <laughs> I just want to be in the city, but yes. It, yes. it actually turned out to be wonderful. I mean, just the people that were there, it was a great experience. So, um, but housing, you asked about housing. Um, once they tell you where you're going to be, then once I got to out, they drove me to Alain and once I got there, um, they told me what, what flats, where I was going to be staying. And it was this huge, oh, it was, it was beautiful. It was a huge space, a, a huge flat for a family. And it was just me. So I had a lot of room. Yeah, it was really nice. And they pay for everything. They pay for your, um, you know, all of your expenses. They give you a housing allowance for you to get, uh, a relocation allowance for you to get furniture um, that they gave so they gave the allowance and then they also paid for where you live. So the only thing that you're responsible for paying for um, is your, if you decide you want to have a car here, because a lot, there's a lot of taxis. So you don't need a car to be okay. honest, but um, if you're used to like me, I mean, being in Houston, you have a car. Like, so yeah. I just, <laughs> I got my, but if you want a yes. car, you can rent. Mm -hmm. So okay. the only expenses that you're responsible for are your, um, are your utilities and your car if you decide to have one but that's it everything else is taken care of so it's, it is really a nice setup here and then you know is that still till is that still to this day in, in the six years that's what the whole setup is or was that the initial agreement that was the initial agreement because i was working with for the government in a government public school okay. so they they took care of everything but when you go to now i'm in the private sector so i work for a private school Okay. And it's part of the, I think it's just part of like the labor laws here where when they bring expats over, they take care of certain things because here they gave me um, a housing stipend and they said, you go find where you want to live. So when I moved to Abu Dhabi city for the private school, mm -hmm. I was able to pick instead of the government school telling me where I was going to live. I was able to look around and see what I felt like living in and seeing if it met the, the uh, budget that the school gave me. So I'm living in a much smaller place, but it is, <laughs> but it's the city. Yes. You know? yes, yes. So it's a high, it's a high rise and I love it. Like I love the location and it's just, it's just big enough for me. So I love it. But um, then also another perk here in the UAE, but it isn't everywhere abroad is um, 
I, my salary is tax-free. So I don't pay taxes to the United States government for my salary. So okay. what I make is what I make. Um, and so it's really, it's really nice. Yeah, but this government doesn't take taxes. And I just, I still have to do my taxes to tell the U.S. government how much I make every year, mm-hmm. but I don't have, I don't have to pay anything. I don't have to pay, like, my paycheck doesn't have anything come out of it um, from the U.S. government. They have, like, an agreement with, the, with this country. But when you go to other places, you, you will have to pay taxes if the, like, if I move to Germany to work um, there, there's taxes that are on the money that I make. It's not the same setup. So okay. you just have to, if you are interested in working abroad, that is something to look into is, will I have to pay taxes on the money that I make abroad? I've been blessed that I haven't had to here, but it is something. That's, yeah. that's interesting to think about as well um, mm-hmm. in terms of salary and taxes and how that works being outside of the United States. Yeah. Um, but your program or the, the, uh, people that were able to get you set up with uh, the recruiter, possibly they were able to help you and talk you through the taxes or did you do more um, self research on your own? You know, there is a community here of um, expats. Uh, there's a large um, black expat community here. And we are like, <laughs> we just, I mean, it's like a family <laughs> and everybody is helping everyone. So when I got here, um, the people that have been here for a while we're like, okay, so this is what you need to know. And they, you know, walk you through, get TurboTax. With TurboTax, you can do your own, um, your own taxes. And you, all you have to do is report um, how much you make and then answer some other questions, of course. And then that's it, you know, but it's just the government just needs you to report what you're doing, you know, what you, what you um, are making. And so, yeah, there's just veterans that were here before me that yeah, just kind of like let you know. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good. Another thing I <laughs> just was very curious about is like language learning. How did you learn the language and how did you start communicating? Did you learn it beforehand? Was it part of the interview process? Um, could you speak more to that? Yes, I will. Um, I don't know Arabic. <laughs> I know <laughs> very, very little. Like um, I, I am a part of um, I, I have Arabic classes that I go to after work they, because they offer free Arabic classes here, but it isn't something that's necessary because the UAE, um, everything is in English. So they have their, like all of the street signs are English and Arabic. Um, everything is, is, is in English. So if you don't, if you come here um, and you don't know Arabic, you, I've been here six years and I've been fine. Like I've never had, I don't have any issues because everyone speaks English and they're, they're um, that's why even in the schools, they're asked, they have teachers from the West that teach their kids English, math and science in English because they want their kids to be bilingual in that way. So the only time the kids are allowed to speak Arabic in the schools is in their Arabic classes and in their Islamic classes. Otherwise they have to speak English. Wow. So it's, it's really, the country really pushes English because it's, it's the language of the world, you know, other than, you know, Mandarin and um, Spanish. So they just expect the kids to know English. And so it's nice because you literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to know, you don't have to know um, any, any Arabic. But I am trying because it's, I, I feel at this point, <laughs> I'm like, how am I here six years and I only know little... <laughs> 
So that's where the Arabic class, it's hard. It is, it's hard yeah. when you're an old, I think because I'm an old person, I'm, it's, it's hard. <laughs> but. I know. I, that's the thing that I wish. I, eventually, I started going to a bilingual school at the beginning, mm. um, and I was learning Spanish and English, but then it kind of drops off, and then in, in the United States, everyone speaks English, and it's almost discouraged to speak another language here people around you are not very open-minded um mm -hmm. hopefully that's changing a little bit more but uh i think it's such i love language learning i wish i could learn all of them and arabic is especially is a, a very unique and uh a great language absolutely and you know when i was in um my arabic classes before covid shut us down um the our instructor was showing us that there's so many cognates between um spanish and um arabic you know and he was saying you know if you if you know spanish and i'm kicking myself at it because i learned spanish in middle school and in high yeah. school and then because i like you said i didn't use it yes god i'm like literally just a little bit conversationally but but yeah he was just sharing with us that um you know, just because of so many in the past uh, historical interactions between Spain and um, the Arabic nations and, you know, so much crossover and all that, there's a lot of words that are cognates where if you, if you know the Spanish word, it's literally so close for the same thing in Arabic. I'm like, no, I wish I would have remembered my Spanish. <laughs> it's not easy. It's, and the yeah. words are very difficult to, like, you know, learn the different letters and, and all that. It's the writing. And all the writing. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole nother level, like Ooh. writing and reading in another language. Uh, yes. <laughs> I completely understand. <laughs> Well, yeah. I also wanted to ask you, for someone who's never been to Abu Dhabi or maybe has never heard of it, uh, how would you describe the, the people, the culture, uh, the food, and just your experience there when you, uh, as you have gone over there? Thank you so much for listening to part one of Marilyn's travel story. To hear the answer to that question and more about Marilyn's experience living in Abu Dhabi, please make sure to listen to part two. Thank you so much for listening to the Our World Story podcast.